All right, New Hope Church. Hey, let's keep celebrating from welcome all of our campuses at all of our locations. Stanford, Garner, Hillsboro, North Raleigh, North Durham, Kenya, Coffee House, and Columbia. Man, we are so thankful that you're with us. We're excited. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Who's excited for the Super Bowl? Yeah, all right, good, that's good. Hey, let's get some things out of the way early. There's gonna be some people who are gonna root for the Patriots. Who's out there that's rooting for the Patriots today? Yeah, I think there's two people at all of our campus locations. We're all pulling for the Eagles, right? Come on, yeah, let's go Eagles. It's gonna be a great game, I am sure. But I like to pull for the underdogs. Uh, my wife and my, uh, her family are from Philadelphia. So four and a half point underdogs, right? The last time they were at the Super Bowl, they lost to the Patriots. And they've got a backup quarterback drafted in the third round. He gets called up today to go and take his team, hopefully to victory and win the Super Bowl. Won't that be amazing if that actually happens? I know it won't be for the Patriot fans, but for the rest of us <laughs> who are praying for that, it'll be absolutely amazing. Um, hey, so speaking of the Super Bowl and a backup quarterback coming in, like this is, we're in the middle of cold and flu season, right? Who, who has had either themselves or someone in their family get the flu or cold virus really bad at all of our campuses? Yeah, just raise your hand. Hands everywhere, right? It's like everybody knows somebody who's not feeling well right now. And in the Super Bowl today, I know one of the things that will happen, Nick Foles is gonna step up to the line at some point and he's gonna look at that Patriots, mean Patriots defense, and he's gonna look at it and call an audible. And it's like the play that I came up with is not gonna work in this situation, right? I'm gonna have to change that play to something else. And what happens a lot of times when they call that audible, it's not a less than best, it's just a different play that matches up with the defense. And sometimes those plays turn out to be the biggest plays in the football games. They become the game changer and big things happen in those plays. So this morning, one of those things happened here at New Hope for all of our campuses across the movement is our pastor for the very first time in 28 years is really, really sick. And he's got the cold or the flu. We're not sure what's going on, but he, he called me this morning and he said, man, in 28 years on game day, Sunday is game day every day. He brings it passionately with all the energy that he has, just like it'll be laid on the field later today in Minnesota, a cold place. Come on, why put the Super Bowl in Minnesota? But, but he said, man, I just don't know if today's the day. And so we called an audible and you get me. My name's George. I'm one of the pastors here. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for that. This is a great church. But hey, I just like, if you would, just take a minute, pray for Pastor Benji, pray for all those other people who are dealing with the cold and flu virus. It's really becoming a thing now across our country. And we just wanna pray for those people. But I am gonna stop and I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray that God will speak to us and there'll be something big that happens today in each one of our lives across the movement. I'm gonna pray for our pastor that he'll recover soon and be back with us and to start the Engage series next week. You saw a bumper, a trailer for that. It's gonna be one of the most amazing series that we as a church have been a part of because it's about putting our faith into action, all right? Hey, let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. God, we are so grateful for a church where we can come together and we can celebrate all the things that you're doing. Thank you, God, for Super Bowl Sunday, the, the weekend that we put uh, the O and U and P in the Super Bowl um, to bring food for other people. Lord, the people have fallen on 
challenging and difficult times, Lord, we've all been there at different spots in our lives, that we have the opportunity to come alongside and to show them your love by handing them a simple can of food or a box of cereal. God, I'm thankful for a church who's passionate about caring for others. God, I pray that you'll take our gifts and that you'll do something greater with it than we could ever imagine, that people will be blessed and encouraged by it. God, I pray for our pastor. I pray for healing over his body. Lord, I know his deepest desire is to be with us. I'm sure he's watching right now with us and encouraging and praying praying with us along the way. I pray, Lord, that you'd bring him back to us next week, ready to deliver an amazing message on Engage. And God, uh, we do pray for the Philadelphia Eagles today. (laughs) Lord, they came so close the last time they played in the Super Bowl. We pray that today would be the day of the comeback for them. And we pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. All right, all right, great. Well, hey, um, I was thinking about today is Super Bowl Sunday, and it's a day where we throw parties. There's parties being thrown all over the place. And so today's message I've titled, It's My Party, because we're all gonna have these different parties we're going to or we're hosting in our homes. And it reminded me of when my wife and I moved to North Carolina. We were down towards the Charlotte area, and Charlotte is this big area of NASCAR, right? That, that's like the home of NASCAR. They have the museum there, all the NASCAR shops are there. And we were so excited to finally be in like kind of race city, because I, I grew up in Indianapolis and racing was a big deal. And uh, we got to know some friends in our neighborhood and they worked in the NASCAR industry. And uh, one of them was a pilot, one of them was the chief marketing uh, person for a major uh, NASCAR team. And uh, we got this invitation very shortly to go to this big event where this new restaurant in town was opening up. And it was one of those exclusive events, right? Not everybody gets invited to it, only a handful of people. And there are gonna be some movers and shakers there. And they're like, hey, you'll get to see some of the NASCAR industry, would you like to come? And my wife and I are like, absolutely, we're in. And so we're, we're excited about the food, but we're excited about meeting some NASCAR people. And I remember that that day at work, um, it was an evening, and then that day at work, my day started to go bad really quick. I got called into a lot of project meetings. My boss is like, hey, you're gonna have to stay late. So I called my wife and I said, look, you go ahead and go without me. And uh, when you uh, get there, I won't be long. I'll I'll be right behind you, I promise. It'll be okay. And she's like, George, I don't know anybody here and there's gonna be all these other important people and I just don't feel good about it. And I said, it's gonna be okay. I'll be there in just a few minutes. So, uh, So she goes to the party and my project went way longer. My boss said, you need to stay later and work longer. And eventually I called her and said, I'm not gonna make it. And she's stuck at this party And she's sitting at a table with a very uh, high profile NASCAR person and she's just feeling a little out of place. I don't know, have you ever been in one of those situations where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't quite fit in, I don't feel well. And so she's trying to catch, uh, uh, carry on this conversation with this person and the person kind of goes, yeah, 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 yeah. And look like looks right over her head. And then she starts talking to him again and he looks the other direction and looks the other way. And he was always caught up in the fact of like the person that's sitting next to me isn't really that important, but I'm looking for the next person who comes through the door that might be more important, right? That I can connect with, give them the heads up. Hey man, how are you doing? How's it going? Make that quick connection, that important person to important person thing. And there's this judging or evaluation that was constantly going on and and of whether or not she was really the most important person or there was someone else that was always gonna be coming in being more important. And so sometimes parties can be that way. 
right? Where you're, you're trying to engage in the party and the conversation, but the people around you are always looking for the next most important person to come in the door. And this is where my wife found herself. And sometimes in parties, we find ourselves in a place where the party starts to go south really quick. Things get really messed up. And the party can actually become more about wealth. It can become about popularity. It can become about a person's um, looks. And um, all of a sudden, at parties, people begin to get hurt feelings. And they're like, I, like this, this isn't the place for me. And there can become this conflict and bickering that starts to go on and this back and forth. And all of a sudden, a party that started out to be really fun and everybody was excited about, all of a sudden starts to turn south and uh, starts to go really, really bad. And the amazing thing is that the idea of parties starting out great and possibly taking a really bad turn isn't anything new. It's happened all throughout time. And today we're gonna to talk a little bit about how Jesus was at a party that had a similar thing uh, going on. And so um, I wanna share with you um, this idea about a wedding too, because that, there's this party that my wife went to that turned out really bad, but then I started thinking about a wedding and that's one of the really big parties that happens in life. And most of us have experience with that. Is there anybody that's uh, planned a wedding in the last year? Would you raise your hand? At all of our campus locations. Yeah, I see some hands going up. Um, just a few short years ago, my daughter got married. And I was like, I, it's been so long since I've uh, had to plan a wedding. My wife and I, it was pretty simple. In fact, she planned most of it. That's how easy it was, right? <laughs> but guys, we don't really do a whole lot when it comes to wedding planning. We trust in our wives to do most of that. So I guess I wasn't engaged at the time enough to know what was going on inside of the wedding planning. And so when we get to my daughter's wedding, I'm like, oh my gosh, what do we do? What's the protocol? How does this whole thing work? And, um, and so I finally went to one of my really good friends who's a wedding planner. And I said, hey, I need to hire you. I don't know really what to do. And I said, I want to make sure that our party for my daughter doesn't turn bad, that it actually turns out really, really good. And so I need you to come along and tell me what are the right things to do. And I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a lot that goes into planning a really good wedding. Like, where everybody sits is really, really important. I didn't realize that. And it's not important to keep everybody from fighting because that's usually how the conversations start. Like you can't put her next to him or, or him and him together at the same table because they don't get along really well. Yeah, there's some of that, right? You want the chemistry, you want it to feel right in the party, but it really is about positioning the bride and groom in a position where they can enjoy their family and friends. It really is all about the, the bride and the groom. And so as we start going through the party plan, I'm like, all I know is I've got to write a big check. At the end of the day, like, who do I make the check out to? And then, so it's a really, really good party. And she said, actually, the, um, the bride's family doesn't have to pay for everything. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Tell me a little bit more about this. Like, uh, this is an important thing to me. And she said, no, she said, actually, the, the groom's family, they pay for the rehearsal dinner. I said, okay, that's good, one, one thing off my plate. And she said, the groom's family's actually responsible for the bride's bouquet. And I'm like, okay, there's some flowers. That's a really big thing, pretty thing. And then the groom's family's responsible for all the groom's flowers. And so I'm starting to add my things up and I'm like, okay, this is really, really good, right? And like, I'm starting to feel more comfortable about this wedding planning business. And, um, but then the list stopped and I was like... <laughs> okay, I can't wait for my son to get married because it's gonna be a whole different picture, right? But the wedding planner, her responsibility was to make the party a really fun place for my daughter, right? And my son-in-law. 
to, to make it a place where they could interact with their closest friends and family and say, hey, we, we just wanna enjoy our day. We wanna enjoy that our friends and family are around with us celebrating this special moment where we come together. And I thought, wow, that's awesome. Like, I never really thought that all the planning, all the hard work really just went into it so that the experience of the bride and groom could be the best possible experience where they could really enjoy everything that happened. It's not just about them standing up front and saying their vows. That's an important part of a wedding, right? It's not about them being at the head table and cutting the cake and getting all the pictures taken, but it's really around this community that, that throughout the evening or throughout the day, whenever the wedding is planned, that there's this opportunity for people to come together, right? And just have a really good time without there being a lot of drama. And we've all been to weddings, I bet, that have had drama from time to time. And it's just a really hard thing. And so as I was thinking about this ultimate party thing, I came to this idea um, of, the, uh, of Luke chapter 14. And this is what it uh, says. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to, that, uh, turn to Luke chapter 14, seven. We find that Jesus goes to a party and he's at this party and he begins to survey the party. And he's like, oh my goodness, I see where things here could go really wrong. And instead of jetting, instead of saying, I'm out of here, I don't wanna hang around, I'm not good with drama or anything else, Jesus decides to hang out a little bit and engage people in the party. And he's hoping that there'll be a different outcome, that people at the party will see something different than what they came to the party to get out of it for themselves. And what Jesus really wants to do in this uh, passage in Luke chapter 14 is he wants to bring life um, to the party. So this is where we start. In Luke 14, it says, now... He told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, um, saying to them, in verse eight, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come to you and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. And so Jesus, much like the party that my wife went to, noticed that as he was sitting at this party that everybody's jockeying themselves around. Much like at a wedding party, if people are left up to their own without assigned seats, they'll begin to work their way to the head table if they can to sit closer to the bride and groom. They wanna be important. They wanna feel like they're special. They wanna have the seat of honor that's close to someone. And Jesus sees this very thing happening at this party and he begins to engage them in this by telling a story. He said, if you did go to a wedding and you just went up and you sat down next to the bride and groom, the host of the party might come to you and say, excuse me, there's another seat for you. And while the rest of the party's seated, he'll pick you up and he'll move you to the back of the room and sit you at a table. And when that happens, there's a moment of humility that takes place, right? Because you realize, up, oh, I made the party and where I wanted to sit more about what I wanted, not about what the bride and the groom wanted to happen that day. So there's this story a couple years ago, I get invited to the final four down in Dallas, Texas. Anybody from Dallas, Texas? Anybody? Nobody's from Texas? One, two, a couple people, maybe at some of our campuses, we have some people from Texas. And so my friend bought me, uh, who leads this great big nonprofit, bought me tickets to the final four. 
And he said, come down, be part of the Final Four experience, had everything. And when I got to the hotel, I had this lanyard with my tickets. There's like three or four different tickets to get me into different things. And then on the backside of it, it says George Franco and right above it is the Holy Grail of everything. It says all access, all access. And I'm like, I have access to everything. I'm a VIP, a very important person. Like when I show this, I get to go everywhere, everywhere. I get to do everything. And so I'm, I'm pumped. And one of my best friends got to come with me. And so we're in the hotel. We're looking at, at the agenda for the day. We got everything planned out. And we're gonna go to the all-star game um, of college basketball. And so we get to the, to the uh, stadium and, and Texas Stadium, AT&T Stadium is massive. It's huge. It's got the biggest TV right in the world in the stadium and the game's down on the floor. And so we work our way down the stadium and we don't have assigned seats because I got VIP. I'm all access. I can go anywhere that I want in the building. And so I work my way down and sure enough, there's a rope and there's these uh, ushers that are standing there big and in their jackets, security and everything. And I, I walked to him and I just expected him to put the rope back and just, you know, let me in, show me the way. How do I get down to the floor? And the guy looked at me and said, can I help you? And I'm like, <laughs> all access, I have all access. And he goes, I don't know what that thing is. And I said, it's like, I got tickets here and I have all access here. I'm a very important person. I just wanna sit down here. And he said, I I've never seen that thing before in my life. And I'm like, are you new? Like, did somebody put you through training? Because like, this says all access. I should be able to go anywhere that I want to. And um, so he's on the radio with the supervisor and he's like, I got a guy standing here. He's got an orange tag that says all access. He's saying he's a very important person. What do I do with it? And I can hear a supervisor going, I don't know what that is. Like we've never seen orange and come to find out like the all access thing was a purple thing that year. And I was like, well, why is mine orange? So I, I didn't wanna make a big scene or put up a big fight. And I'm like, well, I'll just go back and sit a couple rows. And I sat in the general population. <laughs> And I was like, man, this stinks, man. I'm a VIP. They should know better. So we go home and the next day we're coming back to the stadium for one of the games and we're fighting traffic. We're running late. And um, all of a sudden, right next to the stadium, I see a sign that says VIP parking. And I'm like, that's me. I'm, I'm VIP. So I fight through the traffic. I get into the turn lane. I pull in and uh, it says show pass. And so I just pushed it up against the window and the guy stood in front of my car and said, stop. He's like, and I, I was like, uh, there must be some confusion. So I roll down my window and uh, he comes over and he says, hey, this is VIP parking. I'm like, yeah, did you not see this? I like, I waved it. And he was like, I don't know what that thing is. <laughs> I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. What do you mean you don't know what this thing is? This is, let me explain it to you. It says all access. And he's like, sir, we've never seen that before in our life. I don't know what that thing is. And so he stops all the traffic, which backs it up all the way into the street. And much like Jesus is telling this group of people at a wedding party, we're gonna reseat you. Like all the traffic had to stop for my little car to get all the way back out through the traffic line into the general population. And I'm like, this is, this stinks. Like what is the use of having VIP access? 
And so later that night, we're back at the hotel and I went and found my buddy who invited me to, this, uh, to the final four and had given me all these passes. And, and he was a relatively big charity event. And I said, hey, I'm having a problem. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. Like, we want you to have a really good time. What's going on? And I said, well, I got the tickets. So we got in, but everywhere I've gone and I show him this all access pass, I said, they don't let me in. They're like, we've never seen that thing before in our life. And he sat there for a minute and you could see him get embarrassed. And he goes, we just meant that you're a very important person to us. We, we printed those out on the computer just the other night and slid them into your ticket thing. I'm going around telling everybody I'm an important person. I, I all of a sudden realized that it's not all about me. <laughs> Believe it or not, people came to watch the players play the basketball game. Me sitting on the front row, me parking in the VIP parking lot didn't have anything to do with what was really gonna happen that day and what we really came to see or do. But sometimes as we come to a party or we come to a gathering or sometimes even coming to church, we can tend to think about us, like the importance of us in this. Like coming to church, like can I park close to the building? Do I have to park far away? Is it gonna be raining today? Um, do it, will I get my seat? And when you walk in, you're like, oh my gosh, there's somebody in my seat. And you wanna pull out this and say, hey, did you see this? Like New Hope gave me one of these VIP access things, right? And sometimes when we're going around through our communities, it can become like our days are busy and we got a schedule to keep and things to do. And if you're anything like me, when it becomes about me, it's usually behind the wheel of a car. And I'm like, what are these people doing? Like, how come they're driving so slow? Why don't they get out of the way? Don't they know I'm five minutes late for my meeting? And then you're in traffic, right? And you see the sign that says merge to your left, but everybody's out in the right hand or the left-hand lane all the way down to the orange barrels, right? And then they're just trying to force their way over in front of you. And man, there are just some times where I'm like, you are not that important of a person. I've got places to go. And I just, I'm right on the bumper in front of me. Like, you're not getting in here. You're not getting in here. The zipper method does not work in traffic. I'm convinced of it, right? And then, and then I'm reminded that it's not all about me. Like, how do we put other people in front of us? How do we keep the focus on what the priority is? In Jesus's life, he came and he said, it's about others. He came to serve, to be a servant leader. And so in our lives, I wonder what our communities would be like if we always put other people in front of us. If at the grocery store, the lady with the three kids that are screaming and yelling and running all over the place and grabbing candy bars and throwing it into the grocery cart and mom's trying to get her stuff onto the conveyor belt or she's standing deeper in the line. If we just stopped for a minute and said, hey, can we help you? Can, would you please go in front of me? I know I, this is a challenging stage of life and I just wanna help you. Like get, get to where you're going. What if, what if we stopped a little bit longer to hold the door open for someone, I mean, have you guys been in that spot where you're, you open the door and you look over your shoulder and you see someone coming but you're like, oh, they're like, they're 12.5 feet away and I can let the door go because I think I'm in this safe zone. But what if you just paused for a second longer and held the door open for them and then greeted them? It's not your job, it's not your duty, it's not your responsibility, but for a moment, it begins to take the focus off of us. 
It begins to put the focus on other people, which, which Jesus did in his ministry. And as disciples of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, he's asking us to do the same thing, to live a life where we put other people in front of us. And that's one of the things that Jesus said, if you're gonna throw a party, realize that the party's not all about you. The party's not all about you. So I think it's an important principle. I think it's one that here at New Hope that we follow really, really well. So when we come into a worship celebration and the room is really full, that we're willing to move over a couple of seats to open up a seat for another person. I think when we think about putting other people first, that when we leave any one of our campus locations, that we actually roll down our window and say thanks to the parking team who's been serving in really cold, cold winter temperatures this past year. For those of you who have children, like you have an hour of respite, right? You're like, oh man, it's, I get to worship. I get, it's just quiet. Like I don't have somebody pulling on me saying, hey, can I have a piece of candy? Can I do this? Mama, did you know this thing? You get a moment where you can sit and be still and you can hear the voice of God. But going back to pick up your kids, sometimes it takes a while to get them checked out of the room because they gotta get their diaper bag and their coat and all the other things that come with checking out your children. But to take a moment and say, hey, thank you so much for serving me today and caring for my daughter or caring for my son. You guys are amazing back here. Thank you for doing that. Do we take places in life where we put others first and we say, hey, it really, today, it's not about me. I heard a pastor, um, he was telling a story about how his church, you know, you've heard this whole phrase, pay it forward, pay it forward, pay it forward. His church went on a campaign to pay it backward. And their thing was at Chick-fil-A, could you go into the drive-thru and pay for the car behind you? And would there be an opportunity where that would continue to spill over and over and over and over again? And he said, there's one chain that they heard about that happened. It was something like 30 some cars kept paying it back. Whatever the order is behind me, let me pay for that. And the next car would get to the window and say, whatever the order is behind me, let me pay for that. And sure, there were some winners and losers, I'm sure, along the way. <laughs> But there, there was this idea that it's not about me, that there's other people having a day. Their day may be way worse than the day that I'm having, right? But that I have an opportunity to pay that back to other people. And so Jesus, he starts off in this uh, passage about Luke, and he's really talking about this first idea about it's not all about you. And I just wanna encourage us as a church to continue to live a life that outwardly shows that every single day, wherever we're at. When it comes down to your project that you've got, you're building a deck, you're putting in a stone sidewalk, you're laying down some gravel, you're weeding your yard, maybe you're hanging some drywall or doing something else. It can become a place where we're like, these are the things that I've got in front of me. These are the things that I have to do. But your neighbor next door, his plumbing broke, his house is flooded. He needs some help as well. Would you be willing to take your things and say, hey, it's not about me today. It's gonna be about John next door. Or I'm going to stop and hold the door open a little bit longer to engage, right? That's what Jesus was doing inside of the party. He could have left the party and said, hey, this thing's going to go really bad. But instead he said, I'm going to stop and engage it. And not only am I going to engage people at the party, but his goal was to bring life to it. And so could we, as we go about life, living life every single day, even when we come here to New Hope at any of our campus locations, could we live life in a way that engages other people, which is what our next series is about, and in a way that brings life to other people? 
I think that's the power that Jesus is trying to communicate inside this passage. So, um, so Jesus is still at this party and he goes on in uh, verse 12 and he says this. And he said also to the man who invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And so Jesus is leaning into this idea that if you're gonna throw a party, it's not about what you get, but how you give. It's not about what you get from the party, but how you give. And so I don't know, when our kids were growing up, we, we started inviting people, you know, when they had a birthday party, we'd say, hey, you could invite a couple of your friends. And so they'd invite a couple of their friends and then they get invited to a birthday party. And so the next birthday rolls around and there were different kids inviting them to the party. And so our party kept growing because we felt like this obligation to invite other people back, right? And the party party kept growing. And at some point, if you're not careful, there's this expectation that begins to build. I don't know, for those of you who've had kids, you've probably gone through the season where there's an expectation of getting invited to somebody's party. And, and if you don't get invited to the party, then your feelings get hurt, and then you don't wanna invite them to your party the next time around, right? And what Jesus is saying inside of this parable is that we don't throw a party to get something out of it, we throw a party to give something. And I think that's a powerful thing about New Hope Church that every single weekend, we call it a worship celebration, not a service, right? Even though it has a beginning and an end to it, we call it a celebration that we come together and we celebrate the great work that Jesus did inside of our hearts and lives. And we want everybody to know the great work that he can do inside of their life. And so we get really excited about that. It's a party, it's a celebration, and we want everybody to be able to step into that celebration. And it's not about what we get in return. It's about what the person gets. It's about how we give. So when we come to any one of our New Hope campuses or locations, we have these core values or core behaviors for how we treat everybody. Everybody who comes is welcome. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what happened last week. It, you're invited to the party. You're invited to the party. When you step onto any one of our New Hope campuses or locations, we want to treat you with love. We love everybody. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your race or gender. We love everybody. And there's a way that love looks. We care. We trust one another. We give trust. We extend trust. We, we want you to be known and, and needed, needed and known. This is a phrase that you're gonna hear at New Hope for many, many months to come is needed and known. Pastor talked about it on Vision Day. We're gonna talk about it in the Engage series, but we want everybody to be needed and known. We don't wanna look over your head when you walk in the door and say, who's the next most important person coming in the door? Every single person is important, just as Pastor told us that every single name has a soul and every soul matters to God. Every single person has extreme value. They're priceless. And so when they step onto a New Hope campus or location, we want them to be needed and known. We're gonna treat them as if they're priceless and they're cared about because they're a child of the King, of the one true God, every person. 
And so Jesus is trying to get this principle across that it's not what you get in return. You shouldn't throw a party to say, what am I gonna get out of this? You should throw a party to say, what, how do I get to give something to someone? And I think that's one of the reasons that we exist as Christians. I think it's one of the reasons that we exist as New Hope Church. And so as Jesus is going through this, um, there's a guy that's sitting there listening to all of it. And he says, he says this, he says, uh, he blurts out this message. Blessed is the man who eats at the kingdom of God. And I'm like, well, that's a churchy thing to say, right? It's like when Pastor Benji's preaching about something, he goes, what's the answer? And everybody goes, Jesus. This guy's sitting at the table and he's like, yeah, everybody's blessed if they know Jesus, if they eat at the table of the one true king. And Jesus takes a minute and he addresses this guy because it feels like a little bit of a disruption. Disruption. It feels maybe a little disingenuous at the moment. And so Jesus says this. Um, he tells another story. He's the ultimate storyteller at the party. He says, so the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to a servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done. And still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. And so Jesus is talking to this guy and, or he's telling the story where, where there's a guy throwing a party and he's got everything ready. And he told his servants, hey, ring the dinner bell, Right. My dad grew up in a, a large family in Nebraska. Uh, many of you have heard me tell this story, but uh, my great-grandfather was uh, an undocumented person who came to the United States of America, was a migrant farmer. They had, my grandmother had 18 children because when you're a migrant farmer, children become part of the labor force that helps provide and sustain the family. And so my dad's part of this large family and they would move around and farm different uh, farmers, pieces of land, and then they would come back to home base. And dad said, hey, when the dinner bell rang, if you didn't get to the table, you didn't eat. Like everybody ran to the table and got what they could and they ate. So as soon as you heard that the table was ready, you got to it. It was important to be there at the table. And in this story that Jesus is telling, he sent his servants out and said, hey, the feast is ready, come on in. And some people, the, some people didn't accept the invitation. They're like, nope, we're not, we're not, we got other things to do. We're busy today. I've got some things I got to take care of. I got to get ready for work tomorrow. And they didn't come to the table. And so what he says in the parable is he said, I want my servants to go out and cast the net farther and wider. And so the first people that you invited are kind of the people that are in front of you that come to mind every single day, but I want you to go even deeper and wider and I want you to remove all the boundaries because my table is open to anybody. Anybody who wants to come to this party can come to this party because I care about them. And I think as we get ready for the Super Bowl and as we, as we get ready as a church, to engage the vision and mission that God's got us on. And as we get ready to reach people with the gospel of Jesus, like we've never reached people before. Pastor Benji said last week that in the Raleigh-Durham area that there's over a million people who don't know who Jesus is. The harvest is ripe. 
There's a lot of people. Some of those you know by name already. You know that it's your brother. You know that it's your sister. You know that it might be a father, a mother, a coworker, a next door neighbor. And what Jesus is saying is, let's cast that net wide. Let's not exclude anybody. Let's invite everybody to the table. And so the last point that Jesus makes is, it's not about excluding others, but it's about including others. And so in this season, as we as a church get ready to carry out this amazing vision that God put in front of us last week at Vision Day, and if you missed the Vision Day message, you can go online and watch it. You can go to your YouTube channel and watch it as well. It was absolutely amazing what God's put in front of us as a church and what we've already accomplished. Last year alone, we saw almost a thousand people come to faith in Jesus Christ. That can only begin to snowball as we grow as a movement and we live out this life that God's called us to, to be disciples of Jesus, to love people the way that he loves them, to put other people first, to give with no expectation of giving back to us. No return of payment, just as Jesus lived his life, came and lived a life on earth, died on a cross for us. Rose again with no expectation of being repaid by it. We can't earn our way. It's a gift. He gave it to us freely. And as we cast the net wider, what would God do in 2018? Wouldn't it be amazing? It'd be the best party ever. Everybody is a VIP. They have all access. Hey, let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for this uh, story of the ultimate party. Lord, I talked about this message being uh, my party, but really at the end of the day, what I hope we all can see is that this is your party. We don't hold on to it tight with tight-fisted hands, but we're open-handed and we say it's yours, God. We pray that we'd be able to keep these principles at heart that would allow us to not always focus about us. We know that you love us. We know that you died for us. We pray that we would hold on to that deeply. Know that we're a child of God, loved by you. We can't earn anything for our salvation on our own, Lord, that you just gave it to us. I pray that we would think, Lord, about how we give with no expectation in return. And that we would look for opportunities every single day to put others first and to give in the right way with the right attitude. So that other people, when they see us, see a reflection of who you are, how amazing you are. That other people will know that we are your followers, your disciples by the way that we live life and the way that we love one another around us. Lord, we, we get the opportunity to do that, to model that. The scriptures say that we get to be your ambassadors, that we get to carry that message and those actions and be you here on earth to other people. And God, I pray that as we go about each and every day, whether we're coming to a worship celebration at one of our campuses or we're out in our daily lives and routines, that we would be a people that would not be exclusive, but inclusive that we'd look for the people on the fringes and we'd say, those people matter to God. They have a name, they have a soul. They're priceless, they're valuable. And God, you love them and I love them too. And I'm inviting them to the party. I'm bringing them to the celebration. God, I pray that you'll use our church in greater ways. Thank you for the heart that they have already to pursue you. I pray that you'd use us in greater ways and that in 2018, that we would see that million 
number of people who don't know you shrink. More people would be at the table, be able to sit with you, our Father, and know how great and how deep and how far and how wide your love is for us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, amen.